You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Ah, well, good morning. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. I'm glad you chose to come and to worship together with us. And why don't you take your Bible and... uh, Turn to the Bible book of Deuteronomy. It's in the very first part of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. If you'd like to, you don't have your Bible with you and you'd like to use one, our wonderful ushers or has a stack of Bibles in their hand, they're walking down the aisle, just wave at them and they'd be more than happy to give you a loaner Bible as we walk through this morning. And I'm going to ask of you something. I, I mean, I know it's kind of a standard thing to say each Sunday, but uh, this morning, I really want you to pay attention. I mean, <laughs> I know you do anyways, except for those of you who fall asleep and I see you, just so you know. Um, even in the back section, I... We're, but no, I really want you to pay attention because we're going to walk through... It's, uh, uh, it's not a complicated subject because the Bible is simple truth, but there's some... We need to use our brain more this morning. So you've had a little coffee, <clears throat> so we can walk through this this morning, but I encourage you to do that. I also encourage you to... Take out of your worship folder. There's a lot of things inside there. Uh, by the way, one is a card. We'd love to, yes, a guest for you to fill it out and take it back to the back table and get one of those cool bags. But also, uh, if you ha- have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you and write that on there. You can put the offering as it is. <clears throat> but uh, I encourage you to take out the notes section that's there. The answers will be up on the screen as we go through this this morning. And uh, there's also a study guide I'll talk about in a moment. But <clears throat> This morning, we are starting a new series <clears throat> Excuse me, about an environment God uses to help us really grasp Jesus and, <clears throat> and bring out our best. Uh, last week at Easter, we understood the importance of Christ. Uh, really, the whole Easter week was challenging us that Jesus is the king of everything, uh, and, that, and that he is the one who's overall, and, and not only did he prove that by his teaching and, and all the miraculous things he did, but the greatest proof of that and the, the validation of all that he is is the fact that he rose from the dead. And one of the things about Sunday is that we really celebrate Easter every Sunday because we meet together on Sunday morning because it's Resurrection Day. Sunday is Resurrection Day. Every day of the week we're reminded, or every Sunday we're reminded that Christ rose from the grave and that he is risen yeah, we should say that all the time because it reminds us of the, of the validation that Christ is the king of everything. And yet he calls us into this environment to help us be the people we are created to be. And the reason we need to be in this special environment is because the, the world's environment is no help to us. Uh, the world tends to deflate, not enhance. The world tends to not enrich, uh, but devalue. The, the, the world's uh, tendency is to tear down, not build up, to disconnect, not connect, and to exclude, not include. But God's environment is meant to be different. Different in that it's not about us. I know we like everything to be about us, but it's not about us. It's really focused on Jesus, the king of everything, and life his way. It's, it's kind of like my first car. Now, you're going to need to stretch to get this illustration, and it's not just I want to talk about my first car, but my first car was awesome. <laughs> It was a 67, 1967 Ford Mustang. And it, was, uh, it wasn't this car because it wasn't the day when you took pictures of everything, you know, eating and dot. 
And I just, I never really took pictures of my car. Uh, but I have it burned in the back of my mind, and it holds a great place in my heart. It was this color, except mine had a, uh, it, that's a vinyl top. It had a, mine was a beige vinyl top. And, uh, you know, the, the, when I found this car, uh, it had uh, kind of been overtaken by the world's wares. Uh, I eventually pulled apart, apart the engine, and there was like an inch thick of sludge all inside the engine everywhere. Uh, not just the engine compartment, but actually inside the engine. Uh, the interior was torn up a little bit. The tires were all worn out. And so I bought this and brought this into my life. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it became part of my life, kind of like family. Uh, I chose to love this car. And uh, we had a connection. This car was now included in my life, in my day. And yes, um, bit emotionally attached, uh, for it was a committed kind of love to bring this car back to what it was created for, uh, better than it was at this present moment. And so I bought, uh, some of you uh, who've worked on cars know the Chilton's Manual, ring a bell for some of you, I bought the Chilton's Manual for the uh, 289 Ford Mustang, the 289 engine there, and uh, I opened up those holy scriptures and uh, um, I actually did, I listened to them, I heard the instructions, and, and, and fueled by my loyal love to my new car, I did what it said. Now, yes, uh, there were times that I thought I knew better, and so I decided to do things on the, that figuring it was my own way, and uh, uh, that's a whole other story because it cost me a whole lot of money. I had to actually rebuild the entire engine a second time because I decided to do things my way. <laughs> but I did eventually get it together. I went back to following the instructions, and in this new environment, the car was now functioning as it was designed. And oh my, was it fast. That's another story as well. Uh, I won't talk about it right now. But, but see, we're much the same, yet far more valuable brought into an environment centered on Jesus in the framework of family for our growth and to live as God designed. See, one of God's main places for our growth and maturity is our families, not just our family with Him as Father, uh, and not just the basic social unit of our nuclear family, <clears throat> but also our extended family our church family, our family of friends, our work family, our school family, our community family. These connections, these love-based relationships influence us and help us understand Jesus and are used by God to build us up and refine our character to help us to grow. Now, this first connection is to God. I love how Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5 put it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined, that means He chose ahead of time for us to be adopted through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. See, we've been brought into God's loving family by Jesus buying us into that. 
See, because sinful man, as, as we are, all men of sin, men and women, all mankind, all humanity is sinful, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. There's that separation between holy God and sin, sinful man, and there's an, a, a, a divide in that. And, and, and God still loved us even though we're in that sinful condition, and there's nothing we can do to gain access to God, to have a relationship with Him, to be in His wonderful environment because we're sinful, we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. That's why Easter is such a great celebration, because whoo, we're saved. Uh, we have a Savior who took care of that, and all we need to do to, to, to enter into that is to have faith in that, understanding we're sinful, we need a Savior, and it's Jesus. So then God places also in earthly families, earthly family relationships, to grow and develop. So family is actually a beautiful thing. Now, a bit crazy, because in any of these relationships, uh, our immediate family, our extended family, our work family, our, our school family, all those different families, there is difficulty, struggle, and deep heartache, right? Anybody here have absolutely no conflict in any relationships in all of their life? Not a single one of us. You know why? Because family's crazy. I mean, your family and the family of the person next to you. Maybe they're in your family, and they're the reason why it's crazy. But we live in this, have this crazy family relationship and, and, and in our families. And, and God, even with the craziness of our family, God does some amazing things in our life. And believe me, I know, and I don't want to uh, make light of this at all, but family is difficult. And some of the greatest heartaches we will ever face happen in our family. Friend family, work family, and most certainly our nuclear family. I mean, I, I'm attest to that. Some of you know my story. I mean, I've had to go through things that I wish on nobody, having to live in a, uh, an alcoholic family where my dad would go nuts and do crazy things and, you know, do harmful things and emotionally hurtful things. And I wear those scars in my life, and some of you have those same scars. And yet God has a way of doing something beautiful, even in the ash heap of those difficult relationships. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3 talks about how God replaces beauty for ashes. And, and God does that in an amazing way when we're in His environment. And he uses his family environment to give us a greater understanding of Jesus. And despite the turmoil and the struggles, God uses his environment to help us be all that he created us to be. So there is a beauty in our crazy family. And over these next few months, we're going to discover our part in that. So we can realize that beauty and even revel in it. And so this morning... That despite our crazy family, there is a beauty in active love, because active love connects and includes like family. That active love is a door that brings us into a life-changing environment. Now, this teaching is found <clears throat> in the famous, what's called the famous Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter four verses, chapter six verses four to nine, where God reveals that active love connects and includes, like family, as we hear, love, and do. 
See, how we gain from this environment of our beautiful yet crazy family is not to go it alone, but to step into active love that connects and includes like family. So I'd like to jump into our study, and if you wouldn't mind just shifting your books aside for a second and, and stand up for, let's pray and ask God to, to not only help us in our concentration, but tune us into what he would have us to, to gain this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for bringing us here. And Lord, as we launch into this new study talking about family, Lord, I know that standing here, there are some people who really struggle with family. And I'm right there with them. And God, I pray that you would minister like only you can to the deepness of our souls in that regard. And help us to even see the beauty as you weave us through these next few months as we talk through the beauty of our crazy family, but also this morning. God, that you would challenge us this morning, helping us to understand this active love that you want us to participate in and what it can do in our own life. Holy Spirit, help us to gain understanding and, and work through this time and use your servant, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So have a seat and, and pick up out your note page there. Again, there, there's some blanks there. The answers to the blanks will be up on the screen. But I also encourage you to, to at, at the end of the service, to go pick up one of the study guides. They're in the lobby area. Uh, one side, there's some questions to further your study with it that, on there. And on the back, there are the answers to the questions, the fill in the blank, plus a lot of the extra verses that I mentioned this morning. And you'll want to continue that as we go on in our study this morning. But... <clears throat> But this connective and inclusive love is first realized when we make a choice to hear. So if you don't have your Bible already open, go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, and we'll be going 4 to 9 today. But the text starts out in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says this, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohino Adonai Echad. That's Hebrew for, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, our God, the Lord is one. The word hear, Shema, is, is, is more than just listen. It's a choice to put some effort towards what was said, to take action, and being this word is in the form of a command or, or an imperative, it is to listen and obey, to take in and to grasp the teaching that God is one. Now, that teaching is, is sometimes a confusing teaching. It's because we hear of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Are there three God, separate gods? No, they're one, but they're different. Now, that's a hard concept for us to understand because it's a spiritual concept, and we're finite human beings. Or we, we, It's hard for us to understand that. In your study guide, I've given you some some verses to look up the triune nature of God. but And I know every illustration falls short, but the best one I like is the idea of water or H2O. The chemical equation H2O is found in three distinct properties. One is vapor, still H2O, but it's in the vapor form. Another is in the solid form. It's called what? Ice. It's still H2O, but it's just in a different property. And the other is water, which we love to drink and all that in liquid form, and it's still H2O. So all three water, but three different distinct properties in the same way it is with God. He's still the same God, in essence, all God, having the same characteristics, or the same deeper essences that each of each one is the same, like H2O, but yet different in properties, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, um, 
We should right now take the next three hours and do our best to walk through all of Scripture and explain this. But we're not going to right this moment. So just research that. But the idea is, is that we're to hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. We're to obey and understand, to seek understanding of this amazing triune nature of God. And so we're to seek to understand that. We're to hear that truth and continue to learn of the truth of God. The truth of Christ, the truth of God the Father, the truth of the Holy Spirit, and to mold those over and to respond to them, to understand that Jesus is Lord. That means that He is Master. That means that He is owner of our life and respond to Him that way. If He is owner, that means He owns us. Uh, to respond to the Holy Spirit, who is the one who actually is teaching you while you're sitting here listening to the Word of God, all of a sudden, wing! Wow, that made sense. That's because the Holy Spirit's going, hey, listen, this is for you. And he does it all the time. You'll be studying your Bible and all of a sudden you go, wow, this is meant for me right this moment. That's because that's how the Holy Spirit works. You ever been there in church or reading your Bible and go, wow, that's right to me. How did God know? <laughs> Because the Holy Spirit's constantly working, helping us to teach, and He's guiding us and directing us. And, and God the Father, the Creator, amazing one, all God, but this, all amazing that we should learn of them and respond to Him in that way. So to hear is to, to, to realize that God is one, but also to hear is to hold God as the one and only, the only God of our lives. No other gods, no other idols in our life. Now, we say that we're not like a, a, the Roman pantheon of Zeus and all the different other gods or, or like Hinduism that has hundreds and hundreds of gods there, but yet we have our own gods and idols of appearance, status, fear, success, money, productivity, and even good things like family and relationships, kids and grandkids and, and spouses. We can make or let anything slip into that God-idol place in the core of our being. For our hearts are prone and made for worship. <clears throat> and we have that power to choose what we worship. For our natural bent will to be to pull us to have something or anything taking God's place as the key influence of our life. And yet the challenge is very clear. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, first means first. It means placing him in that highest position of authority and affection of our life to place him first. And the kingdom of God is Jesus on the throne as Lord and Master, the king of everything. And so life with that, the promise is true that all things will be added unto you. All things will fall into their right place when that happens. We, life will be as God designed when, when we are brought into that environment of placing and hearing Jesus as the king of everything, focused on him and living with that resurrection power that we talked about last week. And if you want a verse to write down, write down Ephesians chapter one, read the entire chapter because it talks about living in that resurrection power. The fact that God raised Christ from the dead. If he can do that, he can do anything. He can do anything in your life. There's no issue or problem or, or, or difficult situation that God can't handle in your life. He's amazing that way. And a climate will be experienced of connection and inclusion with God when we 
seek him first, when we hear that and obey that. So where are you in that experience? Are you hearing and obeying? Are you making that choice to seek God's kingdom first, to seek Jesus as the highest authority and affection of life? And we'll talk more about some practical ways to do that, but the key is grasping Jesus, to hear him and put the effort to knowing Jesus. It's like what the Apostle Paul says in, excuse me, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, and he says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, of hearing him. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain, I may hear, truly hear Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law. That's in other words, that uh, trying to gain righteousness by doing things. Uh, that's a legalism. But that which comes from comes through faith in Christ, that belief, that hearing but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends upon faith. See, it's knowing and, and, and grasping Jesus to gain from that experience. It's a constant choice to hear. Again, it's not the, the cold legalism of just simply going through empty actions, but it's that movement of that choice of saying, I want to gain an understanding of this. And I want to follow God because of God's great love towards us, we then obey. Because he loved us first and has never stopped loving us. Ephesians 2 puts it this way, verses 4 and 5. But God, <clears throat> being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And oh my, does God love you. He loves us so completely and so wonderfully and he's never stopped loving you. And there's nothing you can do to turn his back on you. He loves you in all that goes on in your life. And his love has given him such motivation to draw you to him and to draw you into that wonderful environment where you hear and love and do. And he wants to bring you in there. That's why he provided Christ. He made it all possible. All you have to do is say, okay, I get it. I'm sinful. I need a savior. And I'm going to walk into that wonderful environment of family with him and see God do incredible things. So then we are to listen, to hear, and set our hearts to obey God because he loves us. But it is a choice to hear. We have that choice. We cannot hear if we want to. This choice to hear brings us into an environment of connection and inclusion. And so does a choice to love. Look at verse 5. I won't read it in Hebrew this time. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Heart is synonymous with mind, the center of our being. Jesus called this the greatest commandment. In the study guide I list where in the Gospels, you find Jesus talking about the greatest commandment. It is an unselfish love, a loyal love, deep affection we choose to give. It is and should be the basis of hearing, responding out of love because of his great love for us. If not, 
then it becomes a legalism. It becomes a bunch of empty actions that we do to appease God instead of acting out of love for God. It's, it's, it's a choice to trust in that love as we focus our affections on God. So to love God is to embrace Him, knowing Him, and to incorporate His way of life into ours, to hear. See how these connect? To hear is to love, and to love is to hear. Actually, the whole book of Deuteronomy filled with all numbers of laws and things to do, this is the theme of that. It's here's how to love the Lord our God. So, <clears throat> first, it's a choice to love. Now, I, I wish uh, um, Victor could, uh, and you need to hear at some point, him and Anna, his new wife's love story. Um, it just is a wonderful story of, of two people meeting and falling in love, and it's a wonderful thing. But Victor loved Anna you know, way back when he was in, in uh, high school. Was that right? Yes? Yeah, in the back in high school. And, uh, and, and just continued, continued to love her, and Anna was, lo- began to love him back. And, and it's just a wonderful story of two people choosing to love each other, then coming together as husband and wife, and now newlyweds and enjoying a fun love together because of a choice. Love is a willful choice. I, I, love, um, I love our small group, the, the new small group that we have uh, that we meet together, and um, it was a willful choice of of uh, a bunch of unknown people uh, to each other to come together and 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 choose to love each other. And actually, they they were all in the almost all of them were in the first service, and they all kind of huddled around this one area here, and they were all greeting each other because we haven't met in a couple weeks and talking with each other. And 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 they're of different backgrounds. We have some young adults, some some married people, some single people, some older adults, people from different backgrounds and education levels and all kinds of things. They're all different and unique. And yet they have chosen to come together and they share this uh, 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 amazing family love together because of that willful choice to love each other. And this group has been through a lot. It's a lot like many of the life groups that we have, and probably all of them. And there, there's, a, there's a commitment and a love together. And, and specifically, our group has been through a lot. We've had three deaths of family members of the people in our group. And so we've gathered together and walked ourselves through that and been with each other and helped each other and been to memorial services and, and things like that. And it's, it came as a, a willful choice to be together. See, this choice to love is, creates a fun bond and we're truly continuing to love each other. But love is not just a choice and the feelings that come with it. As we choose someone to be an object of our affection, it also means we choose to act, to act in things lovingly towards them in the way that they understand as love. How many of you really uh, like Starbucks a lot? Anybody? Okay, we've got one or two persons here. Okay, a couple of you. How many of you like really like Starbucks a lot? Like it's like... It's like, it's like your love language. It's, it, you have a Starbucks cup with you almost all the time. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? What, <laughs> if you can afford it? Well, okay. Here's a gift of love for you. Oh, you, wait a second. Wait a second. Let me see this. 
She actually has a Starbucks with her here all the time. So I, here's a gift of love, a Starbucks gift card for you, a gift of love. Now, I could hand her, oops, I could hand her a, a Pete's Coffee uh, gift card, and that would probably be appreciated, but to truly love her in the way that she understands his love is to hand her a Starbucks gift card. See, we love in the way we love people in the way they understand his love. And so the question comes is, how do we love God in the way he understands love? Well, Jesus actually told us. It's right here in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. So to really love God is to what? To obey. To, to do what he says. To, to love him in such a way that we actually follow and do what he says. Love is, is, is action. It's, it's, it's a choice. And so we need to love God through really hearing, obeying his word. It's an environment of connecting and inclusive with both God and others. So to hear and love is to choose to do. So let's examine the next three verses of Deuteronomy here, verses 6 to 9. In verse 6, he says this, These words that I command you today, that talk about hearing God, loving Him, today shall be on your heart. We are to take action to set God, Father, Son, and Spirit, as our highest affection. To choose to hear of God, to listen and to learn and to worship, and see how amazing and incredible God is. Because He is amazing and incredible. Just one night, just go up in the mountains and look at the night sky. Wow! The expanse of the universe goes on and on and on and on. It's, 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 it's letting that and reveling in that and seeing how amazing God is in that. I mean, even, even in the creations he has made. I mean, have you seen some of the flowers in bloom right now? The intricate details as you look inside and go, oh my goodness! This is amazing. And all the different systems that need to go on to even our own body when we take a breath in. <gasps> the oxygen somehow miraculously through our lungs gets transferred to our blood system, which gets transferred to different organs in our body, and we thrive. It's amazing. God has knit us together. I love... Um, Two of the girls in our family, uh, my, my, one of my daughters and my daughter-in-law, are both pregnant. And I just, I, just, I mean, I, I'm amazed at God just in, knitting together inside their bodies there, this, this precious little one, and going to give us some more grandkids. You know, I'm sorry. And, and one of them is going to be a girl. Jessica, who's, uh, who's uh, pregnant, is going to uh, bring forth a girl. So we already know that. And <laughs> she's going to get so spoiled. Uh, well, as with the grandsons. As, uh, isn't that the job of, of grandparents? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we, try, we try our hardest, right? But, but it, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch God, the creation of life, as cells are put together in this little person. It's right there, and then it's going to come out and be a... And, and now my grandsons are starting to talk and communicate, and it's, it's just so much fun. And it's neat to see and to revel in God in all of that, that God does an, an incredible thing and, and everything in His order. God is amazing. And so we are to set our hearts on Him, basking in His love, 
and loving him back through obedience. It's not that God just wants us to do, and, and, and the things that God asks us to do are for our good. It's like in the area of giving. You know, I don't know what is it about us as human beings, but it just seems like whenever it comes time to give, we all of a sudden have alligator arms. Oh, I really can't, can't reach my wallet. I just, it's just not there. Hey, can you pick up the check? Um, no, I just can't reach it. <clears throat> and for some reason, our sinful side of us is just naturally stingy. We don't want to be generous. We want people to be generous to us, but we don't want to be generous to other people. And God challenges us to give not because he needs our money. Please don't ever think that God, infinite, all awesome, who owns everything God, ever needs your measly money. And if you're giving because of that, don't give. Honestly, just don't give. You don't, well, God doesn't need your money. But you need to give because he wants to bring you into the, the joy of being uh, a generous person. And he wants to, to, to guard you away from the stinginess and the, the, the frustration that comes along with that. And so he asks us to do things for our own good. It's not just simply empty actions, you know, go run up this hill and run down this hill <clears throat> just to do that. But it has a purpose in them. So make time and take time to take things to heart and think. For when we do, we connect with God, which helps us connect and include others. Deuteronomy 6, 7, you shall teach them, that's the, the, the hearing and, and, and loving of God, diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Yes, it's about parenting, but it's also about community, being in a community, and, and living among others in relationships, using those teachable moments. I know we did with, with our kids. We took a teachable moment and helped them uh, thrive in life. Also in the same way to be able to go through the discipline of engaging others with our own walk with God so that we work it out together. So that we're constantly talking about the things that we're learning. And so then we're able to impress them, which is actually what the word means to, 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 uh, to teach them diligently to your children, is to impress them on them. We are to do the same in our life groups and in other groups. That's why God wants us to be together and to not be alone. So that we can be and engage others in faith. And it's, it, others in faith, it's, it's discovering together. We're not meant to be an island. We're to learn from each other and therefore be inclusive. And that's why one of the things I love about our church is that there's such a, a wonderful sense of inclusion here. Uh, and and, and we, we have people from all different uh, ages and different backgrounds, and we can learn from each other. We can learn from younger people and older people from, and from people of different ethnicities as we kind of all gather together here and grow with each other and listen to each other and and do our part in pressing what God is teaching us onto others and them onto us, and it will help us be in an, an environment where active love connects and includes like family. Let's read on, verses 8 and 9. You shall bind them, these teachings uh, and commands to hear and to love, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now these verses have also been taken literally. And as, as Jewish readers would read this, and even still today, you'll see and you'll go to the Western Wall in Jerusalem and see this. There it is. <clears throat> Which is, a, there's a, a person uh, praying at the Western Wall and he has on him a, 
<clears throat> a, a thing wrapped around his arm, which is, you know, take it and bind it around your hand. And, and he also has on his head, you can just barely see it in this picture, he has a thing called a phylactery, which is a, a little box. And inside that box is not only this passage in Hebrew, but also some other passages in Hebrew that are there to keep his God's word on his mind right there in between his eyes as a, as a physical reminder to put God there. Also, as you go to houses in uh, in uh, Jerusalem area and the Holy Land and also Jewish houses here in the U.S., uh, in the U.S., you will see there that little thing that's on the side post. It's called a mezuzah, and inside that is this uh, passage of is, is this passage of scripture and Deuteronomy chapter eleven verses thirteen to twenty one. And when a Jewish person w- would do is that they would walk into that door, and it's also in the the doorposts or the gates of the city. Is they would take their hand, like kissing their fingers, and then kiss the mezuzah, reminding them that that is an important thing they need to bind on their hand and put it on their doorpost to remind them in the figurative way, the metaphoric way, to point them to the centrality of God in his way of life in our home and our community. See, it's to to look at faith as not an add-on or a phase or a fad, but it's a life centered on Jesus, where Jesus is the king of everything, of work life, home life, school life, sports life, recreation life, relationships, family, finances, thoughts, and aspirations. It's through that immersing ourselves in God, hearing and loving and taking action. For that action, that active love connects and includes like family. Now see, if I, if I bought and brought that car home, that 67 Ford Mustang, and parked it in my garage and went back each week and opened the garage and go, ooh, ah. The other week I'd go back in the garage and go, ooh, ah. Nothing would happen. It would stay the same. Sure, save from the wrecking yards, but not functioning as it was designed. I need to hear God's word and who God is and actively apply what he's teaching in my life to love through active love, the act of doing, to take action. And so we need to do the same with our faith. Now please know that these actions don't save us or cause us to grow. God does that. But it puts us in an environment where God actually works. He's the one who does the the renovation of our heart. He's the one that goes and, and shifts things around and makes us work, and now it is. But we need to put ourselves in that environment. For active love connects and includes like family. It's, it's, if you don't like the car illustration, let's use the gym illustration. You go to the gym, and you don't just simply walk into the gym and go, wow, look at all these exercise machines. Wow. And then walk out of the machine and, and then go to the mirror going, mm, yeah, it did something. No, it doesn't do anything. We, we, because we haven't applied and put ourselves, we've gone into the gym, we haven't really put ourselves into the environment. We need to go in and do the exercises. So faith, so in faith, God says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall diligently teach them to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand and they shall be on the frontals between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house 
and on your gates. So let's step into that environment where this active love connects and includes like family as we make the choice to hear and make the choice to love and make the choice to do. And as we love, hear, and do, we are connected and included in bringing Jesus central into life, but also living out connection and inclusion with others. So the challenge is to make the choice. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for the clarity of your word. Um, Lord, that you, you want us to hear. You truly want us to hear in a way that it actually causes some action on our part. To not just listen and say that's nice, but to mull it over and to see how then shall I apply this to my life. Who you are and what you want us to do. How to make Christ that central reality of our life. Not just park ourselves in a church, think about everything else but you, and walk out and go, I did my duty. But yet actually to apply this faith and let it renovate our soul. Let's make us into more generous people. People who actually care about others. People who want to, to live out the purpose that you've called us to. Not just about our own enjoyment, but really to live for you. So God help us. Help us in that and challenge us, we pray. Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.